Welcome back to Stuck in My Generation, everyone. This is going to be all... I heard that rumble to my voice. It's going to be all about grunge. Every little bit of it is going to be about grunge. It's uh, The last episode that I had done was about 90s alternative bands who held up, who didn't. Um, that, that, that podcast episode is absolutely smashing it in downloads and listens and all that good stuff. So I figured something I've wanted to work on for a long time, I never really got around to doing enough videos for YouTube. So I guess I'll just have to do an audio episode and make a little thumbnail video for it or something because I've wanted to talk about this for a while. Who is the best grunge band? Like there's so many different angles to look at it from, which is longevity, pure discography, pound for pound work. I mean, there's so much here and there's so many factors that change a lot of how you view this because Nirvana only had three albums and they were three strong albums. And then we got nothing else. Then you got bands like Pearl Jam who've put out 172 albums and have taken so many left turns that it's really hard to judge them. But that's what we're here for. That's what we're going to do on this podcast episode. We're going to kind of go through it. It's mostly an opinion piece. There's going to be a lot of argument to this, but that's what it's all about. There's no facts when it comes to music. You can't factually say, you know, the best band of all time is, you know, most people would say the Beatles, which, you know, in a, in a, democracy would make them the best band of all time, probably. Um, but outside of that, you know, you veer off into any other genres or any other directions, uh, it becomes much less factual. And even what I just said about the Beatles, it's not a fact. It's a very, it's close. It's close to a fact because I think if you polled everyone in the world who loves music and is not relegated to just one specific country's music, It'd probably be the Beatles. Anyways, let's go into this. Who has the best grunge discography? Uh, let's make one thing perfectly clear here. Not everyone stayed grunge. Some had some hard left turns. Uh, Pearl Jam, for example, that's, that's a rock band. And they were probably always the closest to being a rock band out of all the other bands. Like, you know, you, you hate to even pigeonhole them into grunge. But 10... 10 was a grunge album. I think Versus was a grunge album. I think they started veering rock after that um, and then delve, delved way deep into being just more of a rock and roll band with a lot of those throwback um, influences. Stones, Beatles, all that stuff. Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam went completely rock, sometimes soft rock. But we'll have to do this with what we what we have to work with. So... Let me start with who arguably has the best overall album. To me, the arguments from a commercial standpoint, like a, you know, who's who, top five list, top four list, top three list. I would say commercially the best overall albums of all time. It's a race between Nevermind from Nirvana, 10 from Pearl Jam, Dirt from Alice in Chains, and core from Stone Temple Pilots. That's my opinion. Those would be, you know, 
they are in the argument to be the best grunge album ever. I think because of the weight that it carried, the significance, I think you got to go with Nevermind, even though it's the hardest for me to listen to anymore because it's so overplayed and it is so polished that it feels a little less grunge, but it less. I just was Sean Connery. I just went full Sean Connery on you. It's less grungy, but we just gotta, we just gotta say it. It, it is probably the best overall grunge album of all time. Almost every song sounds like a single. Uh, maybe, maybe that's not what grunge is all about, but it is what it is. So my personal favorite of all time, I, I would say that I've said 10 for a really long time, but I think it's core these days. And that's going to be blasphemous to some, uh, you know, grunge lifers. But core to me is that album. Like every song on that album is listenable today. I don't get sick of it, which I don't wear it out either, but it should be wore out as many times as I've listened to it. But core pound for pound to me, best grunge album of all time. That's my opinion, but I'll say the acceptable answer is never mind. And with good reason, like I said, non-commercial bias, my personal favorites in utero from Nirvana. That's as punk as it gets in my opinion. As far as the grunge albums go, that was a true fuck you to the establishment and it still did well core from stone temple pilots. Down on the Upside from Soundgarden, massively underrated album in my opinion, and Dirt from Alice in Chains. Dirt, that one just goes hard. That's the hardest grunge album out there. Classic. Now, let's now let's talk bands and give their discographies some grades. And we're going to start with Pearl Jam for a reason. Let's start with a quick grading system rundown. This is my point system. Great albums are going to get two points. Good albums are going to get one. An okay album gets a zero. Mediocre gets a negative one. And downright bad gets negative two. Now, I thought this system through. And I thought there's no way this paints any picture other than the picture I had in my head before coming up with any of this. And it turned out to be pretty accurate. Let's go with Pearl Jam first. Um, just because they have the longest discography, they are the longevity Kings. Um, the lineup is mostly original. The singer is original. You got Mike McCready, Jeff Ament, um, kind of the meat and potatoes of that band have always been the meat and potatoes of that band. 10, the album 10, their debut is a plus two easy. That's an all-time great album. It's becoming harder to listen to because I've heard it so many times, but it's a plus two. Great album, just in consideration for the best of all time from the grunge era. Arguably, maybe their only grunge album, but it's a plus two. It's an all-time classic regardless of genre. That and uh, that never mind might be the only two critically like on the top hundred all time albums. Those two grunge albums probably slide in there versus is a plus one thought it was a strong follow-up. Uh, didn't capture the magic of 10, but again, it's still good. Uh, definitely a plus one. 
I don't go back to it very often, but when I do, I'm like, you know, still grungy, still hard. Vitalogy, that's a plus one to me. That's where they started to, to veer off into some softer stuff, a little more traditional rock, but also still had some grunge elements. It was, it was a nice in-between album, and it was a good one. Uh, great, great cover, great packaging, the whole, you know, LP. When LPs had basically died, this one kind of looked like an LP. Vitalogy's a plus one, so we've got a, a pretty strong three-album start. This next album is going to be, I mean, it, it's Feast or Famine. It's Love or Hate. No Code was about as hard a left turn as a grunge band had taken back then. It, it was completely out of left field. I don't remember anyone talking about any of the songs off this or talking about this album at all. You see the album cover. If you showed the album cover to people, if you just walked around holding up that album, most people would have no idea what it is. But to me, No Code is actually a plus two. This was the best sudden left turn, in my opinion. I think it is brilliant from top to bottom. It was a risk. It paid off. I think it's one of those albums, if you've not listened to it in a long time or at all, because you started it and never finished it, because I think that's most people's reaction to it. I think you go back to this. I think you need to go back to this. I think you need to give it a full listen. It's a great rock album. Not a grunge album, a great rock album. To me, plus two, just my opinion. I would say anyone else would probably give it a minus one. Then we come to Yield. This, to me, is where stuff really goes downhill. <clears throat> now, that's not to say that it's not, like... I don't know. You, you hate to say that it's downright bad. <clears throat> but there's just nothing really memorable here. I never go back to this album. It, it just It's just like sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's not. It's a negative one. I think it's squarely mediocre. And, and this is like the beginning of the end, sort of. They come out with Binaural a few years later. Um, again, it's had its moments. I actually saw them live and it was on this album's tour. Great live show. Uh, but the album's a negative two. I just don't think it's very good. Riot Act came out after that. This was a weird one. Negative two. Not going to talk about it much. It was just weird. Then we've got the self-titled, which a lot of people think they return to form and like, oh, it's Pearl Jam rocking out again. It didn't go negative two for me. It, it was it was like, you know, yield level success after two absolute failures. So the self-titled, which is the blue album with the guacamole on the front or whatever the fuck that was, negative one. Hard negative young one. Almost said negative young. Then we got Backspacer. Okay, this was a pleasant surprise to me. I actually used to listen to this album while mowing grass one summer. And it was a staple in my rotation for a while. I give Backspacer a plus one. I think that was like probably the best album they've done since Vitalogy. <clears throat> Pleasant surprise. Really enjoyed it. Plus one. Then they followed that up with Thunderbolt, which to me is a bit of a victory. Again, I'm giving it a zero because it's okay. But Backspacer and Thunderbolt, again, it's like the verses in Vitalogy for a new decade pretty solid. I say decade, but I don't know if Thunderbolt was like 2012. 
I can't quite remember. We're going to look that up real quick just so I can be a little more clear here. Uh, I said decade, and I'm kind of hoping those both fell in the 2010s. Uh, Lightning Bolt was 2013. Backspacer was 09, so I got screwed by a year. That would have been nice if Backspacer was 2010 and Lightning Bolt 2013, but oh well. Anyways, it was like the new verses of Vitalogy. They were pretty good. Not great, but, it, you know, definitely a, a step in the right direction. Then they released Gigaton during the pandemic, 2020. That one's a negative two. Sorry, it just wasn't it. I know that they've got Deep Space coming here in a few months. Um, the song Deep Space gives me some hope because I like that. The more I listen to it, the better it is. So I've got some hope that Pearl Jam turns around their discography with that one. And, uh, you know, every discography from bands with longevity, they've got their duds. It happens. Um, Pearl Jam's duds just dud hard. They, they just dud real hard. So overall, all the scores, this puts Pearl Jam at a negative one. And, and that's why I feel my system is working because they are the Seattle band that just got mediocre. No cap. They just got mediocre. They, they lost it. And I've said for a long time, Pearl Jam's the worst of the grunge bands, partly because that longevity hasn't paid massive dividends. So negative one, as soon as I got this score, I was like, okay, the system works on to Nirvana. Everyone's favorite band to wear a t-shirt of, especially young teens in the 2020s. It's like people wearing Grateful Dead shirts when I was in high school. Such a cool thing to wear those teddy bears on the tie-dye. Nirvana. Bleach. Okay. I'm going to come right out of the gate. Bleach is a plus two. If you have not given this album enough attention, please do. I go back and forth on it, and In Utero is my favorite Nirvana albums. I never gave Bleach much of a chance until the past couple years. And we're talking 2021, 2022, and some of 2023, I got super into Bleach. It is a fantastic listen. If you overlooked it or didn't give it much of a chance back then, because Nevermind was the new hotness, I highly recommend you give Bleach another chance because it, some days I consider it the best Nirvana album, regardless of Dave Grohl being on it or not. Sometimes Bleach is that album. Fantastic. Plus two. Never mind. As much as I'm sick of it, it is still fantastic. It's a plus two. Every song sounds like a freaking single. Everyone knows every single song on that album. It was just one of those albums that changed everything. It was one of those albums that came from left field to become one of the greatest albums of all time. Again, sick of it. I never put it on every once in a while, every great once in a while. I put it on just to remind myself of 1991, 1992. Great album, just overplayed to high heaven. And that's what happens with great albums. That's just how it is. Next, they drop in Utero, a big middle finger to the establishment that loved Nevermind and the, co the record company that wanted Nevermind Part 2. They're like, no, we are a punk influenced band with more edge and in utero had edge for days besides heart shaped box. There's not a radio single on this thing. It's 
just fantastic top to bottom. It's a plus two. If I could give it a plus three, I just might. But plus two is the cap. That's where it's at. Plus two it is. If Unplugged was a true album of sorts, it would be another plus two. I can't do that. Um, it is covers. You know, it, it's covers of their own songs, covers of other songs. Great, 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 great record. But it doesn't count. Not in the scheme of this. We're talking studio albums. Uh, now, there is something to be said for a career being cut short, uh, but we will add an alternate ending to this exercise. We'll, we'll give a couple end rankings, uh, you know, with longevity being part of it. So Nirvana ended up as a plus six. And yeah, I don't love listening to them, but that's because it's super easy to wear out three to four albums. Super, super easy. How long can you listen to the same three or four albums? Any band with two to four albums in their discography, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get a little tough. Sometimes you want some of those lesser albums to go back to and listen to and then go hit up the great ones again. But you still have to give them their due. They didn't make a bad album. They didn't make an album that was even close to mediocre. Every single album, in my opinion, was a banger. Nirvana's going to be hard to beat. On to Alice in Chains. This, uh, there's a lot of folks that say Alice in Chains is the best. And I think for good reason. Let's start out with Facelift. To me, it's a plus one. There's just a touch, just a little schmeckle of hair metal to this. I'm sorry. It, it just, there, it's there. A little bit of the 80s resided in this album in a bad way. And it holds it back from being a plus two. Good album. Really good album. It's a plus one. Dirt. The hardest of them all. May, like, again, a contender for the best grunge, grunge album of all time. It's a plus two. This thing is relentless. It, it's almost more metal than metal. And more human than human. Wait, different band. My bad. Plus two all day long. Self-titled three-legged dog album. Plus one. This was another strong effort. You know, almost to the mid-90s. The harmonizing was beautiful. Just, it was a great album. It just didn't quite have that longevity. The first couple listens, you're like, oh, yeah. And as time goes on, you realize that it's one of their good ones. But... You know, not their great one. Plus one. Then you got to transition. New singers. All that good stuff. Black gives way to blue. I'm going to give them their props. I think they've done really well in the post-Lane Staley days. Like, they're still putting out solid albums. But Black gives way to blue. I'm going to give it a zero. I, I consider it a plus one. I can't do it. Um I don't feel it's fair. I think any album on this list with a different singer is just going to default to a zero. I don't think we've ever heard a great one. I don't think we've ever heard a great album with a new singer from these bands. So it's a zero on down the line. The Devil Put Dinosaurs Here, zero. Rainier Fog, zero. I don't think any of those albums are bad, but I can't give them anything more than just okay. They're all very okay, and I think that's impressive. Now... If we were to include Sap and Jar of Flies, which I think we should, uh, they would each be a plus one, making Alice in Chains a six overall and tied with Nirvana. Now, ultimately, that decision's up to you. 
if if you want to include those EPs, I think you got to put them right there with Nirvana, which is impressive because it's more albums and still coming in at a six. Otherwise, if you want to take those EPs out, it's a super strong positive four grade on Alice in Chains and good for a tie in second place. A tie. What? Wait, you wait. We haven't heard of another four, have we? Not yet, but we will. Soundgarden. I'm not saying they're the, the four. There might be more than one four. But this band started out way before the others. Ultra mega okay at the end of the 80s. A zero. It, it's okay. Almost a negative one, but on another listen through in 2024, comes out to a zero. Louder Than Love, the next album on the list. This is pre-fame. This is, haven't hit the big time yet. Louder Than Love, also a zero. It's okay. It's not bad. But I don't necessarily consider it to be good. Bad Motorfinger is where things got good. Fantastic album. Songs for the Ages. Rusty Cage. Just good stuff. That one is an easy plus two. If you go back and listen to that thing, it is chalk full of bangers plus two all day long. It's a really good listen in 2024. If you haven't heard it for a while, go back and do it. It has more freshness to it than super unknown, which is the next one on the list. Also a plus two when Soundgarden was on fire, they were on fire. This album's chock full of hits as well. Um, but it is more commercial. This is the commercial album. It's their commercial album. This is their nevermind. And it's fantastic in every way. But Bad Motorfinger is their bleach. That is their bleach. That's one you go back to and listen to and, and just be like, holy smokes, this band was good. Probably my least favorite of the grunge era, but that doesn't mean I don't like them. They also have one of my favorite albums of the grunge era, even though they're one of my least listened to bands. Down on the upside, their next release, a plus two. I would maybe give this a plus three if I could. I absolutely love this album. Even at the end of the day, however this turns out score-wise, down on the upside, in my opinion, was brilliant top to bottom. Love that album. I don't know many other people that feel the same way. It is what it is. Plus two. Then... You don't have much to go on until King Animal, and sadly, this was a negative two. It was completely disappointing. I don't think there was a single song I cared about on there. I think by that time, like Chris Cornell was such a great solo act. Honestly, you you tell me I can have two hours in a small venue with one man and an acoustic guitar. It's Chris Cornell. Give me Chris Cornell. He can play whatever he wants. His uh cover of shoot uh nothing compares to you maybe i can't remember what it is all his covers are gold pure gold give me cornell acoustic guitar small venue happy best concert ever he was just amazing so that leaves soundgarden at a plus four that three album run of bad motor finger super unknown down on the upside i think it was magic uh, some say the same of, of Pearl Jam's first three and Nirvana's first three. So this is getting tough. We've got the big three knocking out, you know, album after album, in my opinion. Even a little better than Alice in Chains, like pure album for album run. Like 
best three albums in a row, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, kind of neck and neck. Pearl Jam would be the last of those three, in my opinion, versus Vitalogy, good, but not as good as Soundgarden's and Nirvana's. Something to be said there. Next band, Stone Temple Pilots, The Imposters. A lot of people don't like them as being part of the big six, as I call it. Not the big four, but the big six. Stone, Stone Temple Pilots belongs there. They, they 100% belong there. Core, their first album, plus two. It, it's probably, hands down, out of all these albums, my most listened to. It's probably my favorite of them all. Top to bottom, I think it holds up the best of any album we're going to talk about on this podcast. Stone Temple Pilots, core, banger, just simply, to me, I think it's the best. I think it's the best album to come out of the early 90s. They followed that up with Purple, almost as strong as core, and to me, that's crazy. Purple gets a plus two, fantastic start to this band's career. Then we went to Tiny Music. We had a hard left turn. This is where we have a bit of a left turn, going back to some of those 60s and 70s band influences. Tiny Music, still good in my opinion, plus one. Good album, better than you remember. I'd go back and listen to that if, if I were you, just to be like, okay, this felt weird back then. Now, not so much. Pretty damn good. Then they come out with number four, which to me is another solid effort. A lot of heaviness mixed with a lot of ballad stuff. It, it was just an all-around really good album, plus one. Shangri-La Da came next, and that's kind of where shit goes south. It was a zero, which I think it's okay. Like, it is an okay album. That first track, I uh, can't remember exactly what it is, but that first track, pretty good. We're going to look that up real quick. I had it in my head and didn't put it on my notes and that's just what you get sometimes so shangri la da oh no was it dumb love maybe dumb love's a good one i don't know days of the week was kind of lame but shangri la da zero and then you had the self-titled with the peace sign up and the weirdness that was a negative two they lost it all that band lost every bit of magic they had self-titled album was just terrible the new singer albums all zeros of course i'm not not really messing with that. Uh, and, and they are okay. The, the new singer albums were pretty okay. That, that next self-titled album from 18, uh, they had a banger of a song on that one. That was, uh, where's that at? Stone Temple Pilots 2018. Uh, maybe it wasn't that album. Oh, no, it was Meadow. Meadow's a good song. That's a good song. I liked it. Kept it at a zero. Uh, and with that, Stone Temple Pilots clocks in with a plus four. Uh, their two-album run is as strong as anyone else's two-album run, in my opinion. Stone Temple Pilots, give them their due. Give them their credit. Last one. I almost didn't include this one, but I think you have to. Um, when you start talking about these bands, eventually you are going to mention The Smashing Pumpkins, the lamest name. But... That doesn't mean they were the lamest band. They have their moments. They would be, you know, part of the big six. Like I said, big hero six of the grunge era. Gish, zero. I always thought it was just okay. I don't have much to say about it. It was it was okay. Siamese Dream is where shit kicks off. Plus two. Great album. All-time album. 
easy to mostly easy to listen to today, but I'll get there. We'll add more thoughts to that later. Melancholy was next. Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. This was a plus two. Uh, this was my first concept album, and it was amazing in every way when I was a young preteen, maybe. Maybe I was 12, 13. When did Melancholy come out? Seriously, don't even remember. But I'm pretty sure I was a, I was a fresh preteen. I'm going to be 43 this year which is very weird, 1995, I was 14, so not quite preteen, full-on teen, plus two, uh, I remember sitting on my first serious girlfriend's couch watching Bullet with Butterfly Wings on MTV, good times, uh, then they followed that up with a door, that's a zero, like, it's okay, it's better now than it was then, it's bordering on good, but at the end of the day, it is a zero, followed that up with Machina, Zero. Uh, it's everlasting gaze on that is is like that belongs in your greatest hits, I believe. Great song, but the album as a whole is just okay. And actually, we have no negatives at this point. We got Gish, Siamese Dream, Melancholy, Adore, and Machina with no negatives. They're coming, but no negatives yet. But only a couple great ones. Again, seems we have that issue with a lot of bands. We have great runs of two to three albums, and then. No more greatness. Zeitgeist was after Machina. I actually dug this one. It's really hard to find. It's not on streaming services, but it's pretty heavy and it's it's not it's not bad. I actually gave it a one. I think it is moderately good. A lot of people will disagree. Uh, Oceana, negative two. That album absolutely sucks. That was not good at all. It's hard to listen to. Maybe one of the hardest to listen to of everything I've talked about so far. That one, that one sucks. Monuments to an elegy. Uh, zero. Not a bad listen. Not a great listen. It is simply okay. Then we've got shiny and oh so bright. Uh, I gave that a zero too. I think it's listenable. It is okay. It's bordering on a negative one. But Solara is a song that might belong in their greatest hits. So it kind of brought it up to a zero from a potential negative one. It's not terrible, but it's also not good. Sire, the album after shiny and oh so bright. These are newer 2018, 2020 sires, a negative two. I hate every single second of this album. It is extremely hard to listen to Atum. I think I'm pronouncing that right. A-T-U-M, Atum, Atum, the, the three LP long rock opera, so they call it. There's moments here, but anytime you release a double or triple album, it's risky. I'm giving it a negative one. They could not repeat that melancholy mad magic, which is maybe the best double album of all time. Maybe that's, that's something to consider. Maybe we need to do an episode of the, uh, the greatest double albums of all time. Melancholy would be in the conversation. I'm sure. Atom, negative one. That gives us a compiled score of zero. How fitting, zero in all capitals, Z-E-R-O. How fitting is that? Remember the shirt? Remember Billy Corgan's shirt? What did it say on it with the star? Do you remember? They scored a zero. How fitting. This system is working magically. This band, like a few others, had that great two album run. The rest is forgettable. 
Pisces Iscariot is a favorite of mine, but that is an album of B-sides, not an official studio album. Final score time. Nirvana is a six, and it's somewhat unfair because they, you know, because what we got beyond 1994 was nothing. So you hate it, but it's like Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, you know, so many others. We just didn't get enough to even hear this band fall off. We don't know if they would have fallen off. They might have kept going strong. Who knows? Unlikely, but who knows? But as far as the best score, that goes to Nirvana. Allison Chains, also a six if you want to include the EPs, which I would. My personal opinion, I would. Now, if you include the EPs, Allison Chains and Nirvana pretty much tied. And I think that's fitting because Allison Chains has longevity, which is a strength in its own. And I think that is a good contrast to Nirvana's short lived career. So I do a tie for number one of Nirvana and Allison Chains if we include those EPs. If not, it's Nirvana winning handily, I guess you could say. But my opinion, Nirvana, Allison Chains tied for the best grunge discography of all time. Hard. It's hard. It's really, yeah, it's difficult. It's, it's no easy scientific factual way to do this, but I would put them neck and neck side by side, six by six stone temple pilot with an S stone temple pilots is <laughs> a plus four massively underrated. Um, without that last album, I think you could have considered their discography, you know, up there with the other two, but they fell off on that last album and it just is what it is. You know, drugs, drugs are bad. Okay. Then we got Soundgarden with a plus four. So we got the battles of the sixes, in my opinion. I'm including the EPs. Nirvana, Alice in Chains. Then the battles of the fours, which is STP and Soundgarden. I would give STP the edge overall. They would be my number three grunge band. Soundgarden would be my number four. Then we've got Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, I didn't talk much about Soundgarden, but again, plus four. Great three album run. Uh, There was just some weird early releases and a really bad end release kind of like stone temple pilots, which is fitting with the end release anyways, which is fitting because they both ended up at plus fours Soundgarden, Great. Definitely belongs in that big four of grunge. Uh, but I, I really think STP does too. I think STP belongs in there more, more than Pearl jam. I'll say that the big four Nirvana, Allison chains, stone temple pilots, Soundgarden, Pearl jam falls out for me. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins comes in with the fifth place spot at a zero, um, the longevity and uh, you hate to say strength because their albums aren't exactly stronger than Pearl Jam's. I think Pearl Jam just had more duds and that puts Pearl Jam at a negative one and as the worst grunge band, but to be fair, they did not stay grunge. They went in a totally weird direction. Now, let's let's rewind a little. Pure discography. Again, Nirvana is the best, closely followed by Alice in Chains, depending on how you look at it. Discography-wise, Pearl Jam's the worst. Longevity and stylistic changes aside, Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam. Like, longevity means something. 
And if you like the stylistic changes of Pearl Jam, you have to catapult them a little higher than we were off just the discography. They've still done some good stuff. It's not like their albums are terrible. And just to be clear, Pearl Jam is still okay to me. It's just simply a watered-down discography. And Eddie Vedder lost a lot of power in his vocals, to be honest. Just lost a lot of it. So here we go. I am dubbing Alice in Chains the best grunge band of all time for discography and longevity, despite the loss of Lane. But again, pure discography is Nirvana. It's hard to feel comfortable with it, but it is what it is. They didn't release anything that wasn't great. Everything they did was great. Now, does it hold up? I don't know. Let's rank them in order of how listenable they are today. If I'm listening to these bands today, the first one I'm putting on is Stone Temple Pilots. Number one to me, their first two or three albums hold up so well. They do not sound dated. They, If anything, I think they might have got stronger as time went on. Core is the easily the most listenable of every album on this list today. Alice in Chains, second. They have a great discography. No duds even with the new singer. Everything is at least okay, at the least. Soundgarden would be number three on listenability in 2024. Uh, they have a lot to like, and there's a lot to keep busy with. There's a lot that you forgot about. So when you go back to this band, you're going to find things that you're like, oh, man, this was good. Nirvana comes in fourth in listenability in 2024 because Bleach and In Utero are super fresh. Just go find out. Super fresh. Nirvana takes them down to that fourth spot because it is the least fresh of everything on this list. Then you got Pearl Jam. Ten is fantastic, but it's not fresh. The singles are the most hated singles for me. Like, I hate Alive. I hate Jeremy. I hate those songs so much. I can't even listen to them anymore. It is the stalest album, but the non-singles are still so good that it's hard to knock it completely. But listenability, Pearl Jam is fifth place. Backspacer and Lightning Bolt keep coming back to me every once in a while, but overall, it just doesn't hold up. Sixth in listenability of 2024 is the Smashing Pumpkins. It's just rare that I put them on. It just doesn't hold up at all. Not even melancholy. It's just, it's tough. It's a tough listen. Billy Corgan's voice can be a tough listen. Um, that, that's something too, out of all these bands, Vetter and Corgan can be the hardest to listen to at times, which I think is fitting that they are fifth and sixth on the listenability in 2024 list. That's all I got. There you go. Allison chains to me, best of all time. Overall Nirvana with the best pure discography due to a limited run. But I think if you're going to debate, Overall, who's the best? I, I mean, honestly, you probably got to get it Nirvana for the fact that they changed the world a little bit. But if you're digging deep, Nirvana and Allison Chains are right there, neck and neck. What are your thoughts? If you can't leave them on the podcast, which you can on Spotify and I think Podbean, but if you want to comment, debate this, or give me your rundown of anything we talked about here, go find the video on YouTube under the channel obscure thoughts. I'll put the link to that in the description.
grunge is pretty much dead, but we can still talk about it. I'll see you guys next time. Peace.